0: This is Theology Refresh, Desiring God's Podcast for Leaders, and I'm sitting here with David Platt. Our topic is the doctrine of suffering. David, thank you for joining us for a significant and weighty topic here Mm -hmm. and one that at one time or another, if not most of our lives, will confront all of us Mm -hmm. as Christians. It's enduringly relevant. Uh, So as you think about the doctrine of suffering and how you would help pastors and Christian leaders, where would you encourage their mind to, to go first? Uh,
1: there's so much that I think scripture obviously has to speak about suffering. Uh, I, the first text that comes to my mind that I would go to is probably Romans 8 and this picture of well, revolving around it, kind of in the center of Romans 8 28, which are very familiar with but I don't know if we really grasp the depth of that God is working all things including evil and suffering together for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose and then the security that springs from that, that, the hopeful expectation that leads up to Romans 8.28 that we're we know that just like creation is groaning, longing for redemption, we are longing for a day when there's no more evil, no more suffering. Um, we know God's working all these things together for good and in that we have confidence that nothing can ever separate from us from his love. So that, if, if, if one core text that I, always, and that I think affects shepherding and pastoral ministry that I'm constantly wanting to bring people back to, it's, it's that text, but certain truths really come to my mind when it comes to suffering. Um, One, a high view of God is essential for understanding suffering. Mm -hmm. So I think one of the ways people in the congregation I pastor try to deal with questions of evil and suffering in their life is, and they may not mean to, but they start to minimize the character of God, like maybe God's not in control of this. Uh, Well, I I think we begin to doubt, maybe we'll begin to doubt God's existence. If evil and suffering exist in the world, can there really be a God? But I think the reality of evil and suffering actually points us to an awareness of good and evil that points us to God. Um, So some people just begin to think maybe God's not even there or they begin to doubt his greatness. If there's so much suffering in my life and I'm praying, even people who I'm shepherding through difficult times. Maybe they're walking through cancer or tumors, and uh, and they start to. I'm praying for deliverance. Is God not able to heal? And so people start to question God's greatness. People start to question God's goodness. Why is He doing this to me? Question God's wisdom. Um, is does God know what He's doing? Is He really working all these things together for good? And Scripture, just from beginning to end, I think it's most clear in a, a book like Job or even Ruth. Um, but we see God's greatness, His goodness, are never unquestioned in the middle of suffering. I, I say they're never unquestioned. You got Habakkuk who is really wrestling with good, honest questions before God. But as he wrestles with them, the conclusion he comes to is that yes, God is good, and yes, God is great. God is sovereign over all things, and and He's He's sovereign over evil, and He's sovereign over suffering. So. I think number one truth that I want to encourage the folks that I pastor brothers and sisters God is great and sovereign and good so let's hold on to that uh, so a high view of God second uh, a humble view of man the fact and is necessary for thinking about suffering and by that theologically I'm primarily referring to the depravity of man the reality is we, we have suffering in the world and it flows from one sin in Genesis chapter 3. That's the suffering is the fruit, so to speak, of sin in the world and uh, it's a, it's a, suffering is a result of our sin. Now I don't mean that every person who gets cancer obviously has some sin to point that to but suffering generally in the world reminds us of the depravity of man. And it should remind us of the depravity of man. Even suffering that we walk through that's not specifically attributed to a certain sin in our life, it's still cancer. When I when I was at a hospital room a couple of weeks ago with somebody who's back in because another tumor problem that just keeps coming back, I'm hating sin all the more. Not because sin caused him to come into the hospital, but because I'm I'm longing for a day when there's no more sin and suffering. So uh, suffering reminds us of the depravity of man in the world and then also our limited perspective. Even in suffering, we don't know all that God's doing. That's where Romans 8.28 is so helpful because we may not understand exactly why we're walking through particular suffering, but at the same time, God is wise, he knows, he has all knowledge, he has infinite perspective on this, and we can trust him in a way that we don't need to uh, wonder if God has has done something wrong here or there because we know our, our wisdom is limited, his wisdom is perfect. So a humble view of man, high view of God, humble view of man. Um, third truth when it comes to suffering that comes to my mind is that uh, the ultimate reason suffering exists, and this is something that uh, John has has been helpful in, in, his, in his teaching on suffering helped me realize that the, humble reason, uh, the ultimate reason suffering exists is to exalt the glory of God's grace and the sacrifice of his son mm-hmm. for our sins. I was just preaching this last week from Revelation chapter 5 and born 5 and you got the lamb slaughtered at the center of the throne there, receiving glory and honor, pray but he's looking like he's been slain and, and you see the effects of sin in him but he has taken sin upon himself, he's taken the payment due us, he's sacrificed himself and in the process has exalted the glory of God's grace. So God in a very real sense ordained the murder of his son for the sake of our salvation, and and so there's a picture there where evil is ultimately submissive to God and ultimately is used to fulfill the purposes of God. Um, so, so suffering and it just points us to the beauty of Christ. We have a, a Savior who is familiar with our weaknesses and who we share in suffering with. I think that's a beautiful picture we see all over the New Testament that we share in Christ's suffering. So I want to know Christ. Philippians three. The fellowship of his, in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. Um, that there's a real sense in which we suffer in Christ with Christ. Um, so, fourth truth is that uh, God has a lot, a variety of purposes in suffering, and we don't always know what they are. But sometimes God uses suffering to refine our faith. Uh, I was preaching a couple of weeks ago in, in Revelation two and three, those letters to the churches, and the way he he was leading different churches through testing for their good and for the building up of their faith and for their sanctification and so God uses suffering to sanctify us. God uses suffering to exalt himself as sufficient before the world around us when things aren't going well and yet we have joy and, and peace and confidence in the world doesn't get that and we say oh my joy and peace and confidence is found in Christ and he is sufficient regardless of what's happening in our life their gospel just becomes very clear uh, in in the picture of suffering so God uses suffering and sometimes to draw us back from sin if, if sin is leading us into consequences that um, are yeah we need discipline then suffering can be a part of that mm-hmm. so there's seems like an infinite number of purposes and so we don't always have to know exactly what the purpose is but we trust that God has a purpose and we say Lord how are you using this to sanctify me? How are you using this to glorify yourself through me? Which leads to the last, the main thing that I, it comes to my mind when I think about theology of suffering is that suffering and, and the advancement of God's glory and the proclamation of the gospel go together. Mm-hmm. So the great commission will be accomplished through great suffering and it makes sense god's central strategy for bringing salvation to the world was the suffering of his only son so how are we going to be able to make that good news known to the world around us if everything always goes well for us we it's it's through suffering servants who are proclaiming the gospel and when we proclaim the gospel in a world where there are spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms and there are there are spiritual forces that are hostile toward the advancement of the gospel, we're gonna face obstacles and hindrances and difficulties and trials and challenges and those are to be expected. If, if The reason when there's 6,000 plus unreached people groups is because those unreached people groups are hard to reach and they're difficult to reach and they're dangerous to reach. And if we're going to make the gospel known among them, then we would be fools to think we're not going to experience opposition and suffering and danger and death along the way, just like Jesus promised his disciples. But the good news is they may, Matthew 10, kill the body, but they can't kill the soul. So those are the overriding truths that I think through when it comes to theology of suffering. That's
0: really helpful. Would you summarize those five again? All
1: right. High view of God, essential, His sovereignty, glory, goodness, grace. Humble view of man, particularly his... Sin, our sinful depravity and limited perspective. Uh, third, ultimately, suffering exalts the glory of God's grace and the sacrifice of God's Son for us on the cross. Uh, fourth, we have there's multiple purposes that God uses suffering for all throughout Scripture, so we can trust that He has purposes in them, in that. And fifth, uh, as we give ourselves to, to the Great Commission and obedience to it, we we can expect suffering, but it will be worth the the price. That's
0: good. And this is uh, some takeaways you distilled from your recent seminar on suffering uh, with Secret Church. What
1: I try to do is just, I, I walk through like 75 different texts on suffering mm. from Genesis to Revelation and just walk through different texts that really spoke to suffering and then try to take those 75 truths and say, alright, let let's or 75 texts and say, alright, let's come down to some core truths. That's and good. So yeah, that's the overflow of that.
0: If somebody wanted to Check out the seminar. Where would they go? Uh, Yeah, they can
1: go to secretchurch.org and just view, look for the cross and suffering. Uh, So it's it's about uh, four and a half hours of teaching on that, and they can download it all. It's for free, audio and video as well as written stuff. Would you, uh, as we close
0: here, uh, specific challenge or exhortation you'd have for Christian leaders Uh, on the on this doctrine of suffering?
1: I think. I think I believe we need to teach on suffering. We need to prepare people to suffer. We need to give them rock solid foundations for when they walk through suffering. Um, you know, it's in, in times of tr- trauma and difficulty. Sometimes it's difficult in that time to give theological truths. Mm-hmm. I want to give the people that I pastor the firmest foundation to stand on when cancer comes or when. Uh, Husband or wife or child passes away or dies. I mean, I I want and and ultimately I want to prepare them to die. And so these truths are things we need to we need to instill. And so I look for opportunities in my pastoral preaching to prepare people to suffer, to speak to those who are suffering, to give them hope and confidence in the midst of suffering. And so I'm always looking for because it's it's evident. I mean, there are people when I. Think about the people sitting in front of me on a Sunday, hearing the word preached, I know some are walking through some deep valleys. And so I want to be sensitive to that, apply tr- these those core truths in different ways according to different texts uh, in their lives, and at the same time with an eye toward, they're going to walk through valleys. And so we need, we need to be attentive to how we can best prepare our people to suffer and prepare our people to die.
0: David, thank you for joining us. Would you, Would you close us in prayer for our
1: listeners? Yeah, sure. Father, when we think about suffering, we are truly overwhelmed by the magnitude of suffering and sin and evil, even in our own hearts and, and around us in the world and, and the people that you've entrusted, leaders who are listening to this to shepherds. so and I, I'm sure some of the leaders who are listening to this are walking through valleys right now in their homes, churches, their lives, families, Lord, I pray that you would sustain and strengthen and satisfy them, that you would even in, as we've talked about this, that there would be hope in their hearts, renewed hope in you in Christ and the goodness of Christ and the fact that you're working all these things together for their good and for your glory and that you would then give us grace as leaders to walk alongside others and to point them to your greatness, to point them to the beauty of Christ and together as your church to long for the day when sin and suffering will be no more and you will wipe away every tear from our eyes. We long for that day and so we pray for grace and endurance and patience from this day until that and we pray that you would use us to be a part of the accomplishment of the great commission even though that involves suffering. We pray that you'd help us to embrace it for the spread of the gospel and the declaration of your glory to the ends of the earth.